soon after the 1940s, when Sunday school transitioned from being a tool that the church used to educate the working class to the religious education for the children of the congregation, felt was invented. And that timing must be why in every Sunday school room that many of us have known, there were felt boards. Do you remember these? Educators would take small shapes and affix them to the board, and from those boards, the stories of the Bible came alive. It is not surprising at all that many of our favorite felt board Bible stories from childhood include not only God, but animals. Jonah and the whale, Daniel and the lion's den, Adam and Eve and the snake, the lost sheep, the whole zoo getting on Noah's Ark two by two. Child development folk will tell you that children are particularly attentive to stories with animals. Children love animals, and animals can bring some silliness to stories. But using animals is also a way to teach children in a safe way. Anthropomorphism allows some emotional distance for the child experiencing the story. Think about the story of the ugly duckling. You wouldn't want to change that to the ugly child, would you? We need animals to help us learn. It's why we have Charlotte's Web and Peter Rabbit and Cat in the Hat and the very hungry caterpillar. I say all of this because as we consider this first story in our new sermon series, all you may remember are the lions. You know, big manes, sharp claws, powerful jaws. Perhaps if you've heard it before, you may also remember some vague moral lesson about praying hard enough and trusting God with all your might. But I invite you now to rehear the story of Daniel and his sleepover with the lions. It's most of Daniel chapter 6, so settle in. And as we come to this word, let us first pray. We're going to read it again, God, this story of yours, of ours. We pray that you will speak anew, afresh, aloud, so that that which we once knew will be illumined by what you are saying today. You are here. We are listening. Amen. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, and over them three administrators, one of whom was Daniel, so that the king might suffer no loss. Soon Daniel distinguished himself above the others because he was an excellent, he had an excellent spirit in him. And the king planned to appoint him over the whole kingdom. The administrators and satraps 
tried to find grounds for complaint against Daniel, but they could find no grounds for complaint or any corruption because he was faithful and no negligence or corruption could be found in him. The men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So they conspired and they came to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an interdict that whoever prays to any god or human for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the interdict and sign the document so that it cannot be changed. Therefore, King Darius signed the document. Although Daniel knew that it had been signed, he continued to go to his house, which had windows in its upper room opened toward Jerusalem and to get down on his knees three times a day to pray to his God and praise him just as he had done previously. Then those men watched and found Daniel praying and seeking mercy before his God. Then they approached the king and said, O king, did you not sign the interdict that anyone who prays to any god or human within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the den of lions? The king answered, the thing stands fast. Then they responded to the king, Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the interdict that you have signed, but he is saying his prayers three times a day. When the king heard the charge, he was very much distressed. He was determined to save Daniel, and until the sun went down, he made every effort to rescue him. Then the conspirators came to the king and said to him, Know, O king, that this is a law, and no interdict that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king gave the command, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you faithfully serve, deliver you. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring so that nothing might be changed. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No entertainment was brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at dawn, the king got up and at first light hurried to the den of lions when he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out anxiously to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel then said to the king, O oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no wrong. 
Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in God. The king gave a command, and those who maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, May you have abundant prosperity. I make a decree that all in my royal dominion, people shall tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I hate to break it to you, church, but if I had a felt board for you today, I would not put a lion on it. I mean, lions are cool cats. And it's pretty amazing in this story that their jaws are clamped shut, saving Daniel from an unpleasant end. But I wouldn't put a lion on my felt board. If I had a felt board here, I would put a window on it. And I would make sure that it was clear for all to see that the window is open. It's what I want us all to remember. And let me tell you why. The story of Daniel and the lion's den does not appear in the revised common lectionary, which is like the scripture syllabus for all Christian churches. This is a shame for old Danny boy, it seems to me, not just because it's such a great story, but because being left out of the lectionary means that there's a lot less scholarship about you. But there was one article that stopped me in my tracks this week. The scholar writing it was recounting something that a Hindu man said about this text in 1909. That man was Mahatma Gandhi. And Gandhi said, I have found much consolation in reading the book of the prophet Daniel. For Daniel was one of the greatest passive resistors that ever lived. Daniel, yes, a lion den survivor, but also hero to one of the greatest world changers that we have known. Daniel, a model for peaceful protest. We may only remember the lions, but far more dangerous in this text are the laws. Now hear me out, laws are made for the good of communities. Laws are, are the guardrails for how neighbors can flourish together. God speaks to us through the law. The psalmist says the law can revive the soul, that keeping a rule of life 
can bring life. Jesus says that he came to fulfill the law. But Daniel is in danger of law gone wrong. Only King Darius can be worshipped, no one else. This law is born of fear and jealousy, created by men threatened by the presence of an outsider. This law was built of warped ego, of the administration thinking more highly of itself than its people or its purpose. This law is actually no law because it is an unjust law. It was made of flimsy substance, but those who made it up stood strong. Law and order, they demanded. We can't bend. Now, Daniel is no fool. He knows what is at stake. And in a Bible lesson for all the ages, he goes to his house. He opens all the windows and he prays to God. Daniel could have taken up arms against those satraps, clearly trying to trap him. Daniel could have followed the law and stopped praying. Daniel could have gone home and prayed to God in such a way that no one would ever notice. I mean, how many times a day do you speak to God in your mind while you're walking or working or waiting or worrying? And no one is the wiser. No one knows but you and God. Instead, Daniel opens the window as he prays to God, opens them to the whole world so they can see exactly what he is doing. That is why Gandhi loved Daniel. After studying law himself, Gandhi was living in South Africa and was the target of an unjust law. The white South African government created what were called pass laws, designed to segregate black and then Chinese and Indian South Africans, limiting their movement and freedom in the country. Strictly committed to nonviolence, Gandhi mounted a campaign of mass civil disobedience, asking black and Indian and Chinese folk to resist getting their fingers pressed onto those passes, and if they already had the passes, to burn them. He said instead they should, like Daniel, sit with their windows flung wide open and tell those gentlemen that whatever laws they passed were not for them unless those laws were from God. And God would make no such law. So, church, does this feel like a happy childhood Bible story with just a simple pray hard and trust God moral lesson? Now that I've read it again, I'm troubled because honestly, I'm left with a quite uncomfortable question. What does it mean for us to leave the windows open? I see you 
out there already struggling with that question, struggling in your daily lives, Monday through Saturday. Now, maybe you didn't know how to ask it in just that way, but I hear you. I hear you asking about what is right and what isn't. I hear you who work in criminal justice. You chafe at some juveniles being categorized irredeemable. I hear you who work across the street grappling with what to do with diversity and equity and inclusion and the legislation around what you can and can't say. You who teach and wonder if all the standardized testing you've just lived through this week is the best metric for what a child is capable of achieving. I hear you who heal, how you grieve that women cannot get what they need and medicine is only in the hands of some. I see you who parent when you kiss sleepy heads with prayers about Sandy Hook and Uvalde and Nashville on your breath. None of this is easy. And I realize I'm likely breaking a law of no meddling in the pulpit by even naming this aloud. But I see you struggling with it. And church, struggling with all of these matters is faithful. I believe the struggle is part of what moves us to the window wells, poised to make decisions of faith. It's not comfortable and it's not altogether safe. And we don't always know what the results in the world may be. This thing we do together is a risky endeavor. It always has been. At the end of Daniel's dangerous night in the lion's den, things did change. If you ask me, and probably Gandhi, the story didn't need that last part with all the payback of those who had maliciously accused Daniel could have done without the lions getting their breakfast, if you ask me. The storyteller may have left well enough alone. And just emphasize that the king changed, the community changed, the laws changed, changed because of a man who shows us too that we can, with prayer and yes, with trust in God, we can pop the window lock, remove the screen, open the panes wide, and live our faith for all the world to see. May it be so. Amen.